0: Live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fancy.
1: Access granted.
2: Good afternoon. It is the end of week four. This is Jeff Scala with the Florida Association of Counties, and welcome to a remix edition of Fakish. It is Jeff and Bob in the afternoon with the whole Fak team. We have made it four weeks, Bob. That's amazing.
3: Want y'all to make sure you understand. It takes two of us to try and fill in for Davin, and we're still
2: not going to come close to doing the job. And we're going to do our best this week, and uh, and maybe in the future Davin will be back. But you know, this week we we had a lot going on, a lot of bills. Uh, Budgets dropping. What else, Bob?
3: A little bit of this, a little bit of that. A lot of law enforcement standing
2: behind me when I testify, but we'll get to that a little bit later. And of course, we had a lot of, you know, festive air with our friends from way down south in Miami, but we'll talk about that later. You know, uh, this week, uh, we're gonna do a little intros and our question of the week
0: is, what is your hype song, Jared? That's a good question, Jeff. Uh, you know what's been good to me recently? Uh, She-Wolf by Shakira. Uh, she starts howling, uh, and you know, I got it on the car, and before I know it, I'm going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. You know? Just comes <sighs> over me. Wow. Bob, what do you think? I'm not familiar with the song.
2: <laughs> and, and Bob, this is our first time having a, a podcast with Jared. So, you know, and I guess your first face-to-face encounter with Jared, that was on Monday. That's the first time I saw him. He's taller than me. We're going to have to deal with that. All right. Shiloh, what's your hype song?
4: All right, I'm going to have to go with Pump It by The Black Eyed Peas. All right. I, I, I do
3: know that song.
4: <laughs> Bob, is us, Bob? Bob is aware.
3: Bob is aware. I'm sorry?
4: Can you sing it for us?
3: Not today. Not today. We don't I'm have 26 time for that 26 counties have passed ordinances saying that I'm not allowed to sing with more than two other people present. And with that, Sarah.
5: All right, so I have two power songs one, Power by Kanye West, and two, Little Oldie, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor.
2: Great song on Guitar Hero. Thank you. Rock, Bob is a Guitar Hero legend. Eddie, what do we got? Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider. Ooh. No comments, (laughs) Bob?
3: All of us by week four are on that fringe.
2: Milan, what do we got? I
1: would say in light of Friday, I would say This Is How We Do It by Marcel Jordan.
2: All right. Got some 90s pumping in the studio. Of course. All right, I'm going to pull one out.
3: Nobody else in the room is going to know it, except maybe Eddie. And then I'm going to go with one people will know, Red Barchetta by Rush. And then we will, we will rock you
2: by Queen. And that's, a, that's also a legendary hype song, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up with, you know, I heard there was a lot of smack talk last week about, you know, some school spirit and a lot of talk about the Gators. Well, when I was a Seminole, and we won 27 straight games in football, our hype song was always, All I Do Is Win by T-Pain, and that is my hype song.
0: Feels like a distant memory.
2: We'll get back on top soon. We're at basketball school now, but let's get to it. We got a lot to run through here. And Sarah, do you know what time it is?
5: What time is it?
2: It's about... All
5: right, here is the rundown for the week. First up, both sovereign immunity bills were up again this week, HB 985 and SB 974 by Representative Beltran and Senator Gruters. The Senate bill was amended from the $1 million cap to $300,000 per person and $400,000 per incident. The bill also was amended to provide for inflationary adjustments every 10 years. The House bill stayed the same with the $1 million caps per person both passed almost unanimously in both chambers. And SB 974 is up again on Tuesday at 3 in Senate Community Affairs. We had a lot of bills related to building this week. First up was SB 644, Building Inspection Services by Senator Broder in Senate Regulated Industries, and that passed unanimously. And its companion, HB 423, Building Inspection Services by Rep Lamarca, also passed unanimously, and both head to their last committee session. Ups. and last up in response to the surfside tragedies we had sb 1702 by senator bradley it was up in senate regulated industries and that passed unanimously and a house committee bill was introduced this week sb 7042 it passed unanimously and will head to senate appropriations for its last committee stop that's it for me
2: eddie i think we've got another legal eagle over there
6: certainly in the making absolutely
2: all right we're moving right along one at a time Bob ah things are going great so far all right Shiloh do you know what time it is
4: it's five o'clock somewhere right
3: oh oh yeah it's five o'clock here (laughs) all
2: right it's about to go down.
4: All right, in the tech world, we had some new standards for cybersecurity move forward unanimously in the Senate. So that's Senate Bill 828, critical infrastructure by Senator Hudson and its first committee, governmental oversight and accountability. Then in the agricultural and rural affairs, affairs world, there were two bills to promote agritourism, which continue to maintain favor in both chambers. So that's Senate Bill 1186 and House Bill 717. In the environmental arena, we had improvements to water quality enhancement areas, which received favorable support in both chambers, so that's Senate Bill 1426 and House Bill 965. We had some resiliency efforts that took off in both chambers, so that's Senate Bill 1940 by Senator Broder, and then we had a committee bill, which is EAF1. FAC did waive in support of this bill. And last but not least, we had House Bill 1475, so that was a PFOS bill, which passed favorably. Fact supported the bill. And that's about it. Hey, Charlotte, what is Yeah, you. We're calling in the big guns.
2: They're called forever chemicals. Thank you, Eddie. That is what they what we're talking about are things that stay in the environment forever. You can find them (laughs) anywhere, and really, the the resiliency bills are huge. Didn't you do a data point on that?
4: Oh yes, definitely. If you want to check that out, you could go ahead and go to our website. We have some great overview of the resiliency efforts that went by in 2021 and 2022.
2: And all those bills really feed into this, you know, concept that FAC has been working on this year, a long-term planning, huge bills that they started last year uh, using some federal funds. We'll be watching those, waving in support. Uh, Be sure to check those out as they move through the process. Keep keep an eye. Bob,
3: we've got one more rundown. One more rundown. It's
2: it's your it's your oh, analyst, Bob. I'm sorry. Come I, on, this I is Jeff and Bob in the
3: afternoon. Jeff not just and Jeff and Bob. All right. Hey, Jared, do you know what time it is? Hit it.
0: It's it's rundown time. Cool. God. In the world of health, uh, we saw a committee substitute for SB 1144 on certificates of public convenience and necessity by Senator Broder uh, moving through Senate health policy on Wednesday. Uh, This bill would exempt first responders of uh, some fire rescue entities uh, from the need for a a COPCN. FAC waived in opposition to this bill, uh, our concerns center on the fact that it distorts the continuum of care and could undermine the authority of a given county's common medical protocol. Uh, Moving right along, uh, HB 105 on regulation of smoking by counties and municipalities uh, by Rep. Fine uh, was on the agenda in a House Environment, Agriculture and Flooding sub today. Uh, The Senate version SB 224 by Senator Gruters uh, has not been heard since November, but has been placed uh, tentatively on the agenda for Monday. Uh, These bills would authorize county and municipal governments to uh, restrict smoking and or vaping within the boundaries of uh, parks and beach space. Uh, It would also rebrand the Florida Clean Indoor Air Act as the Florida Clean Air Act to reflect this broader application. Uh, we saw a handful of ad valorem tax exemptions on the move this week. Uh, the big one would be HB1, uh, which would hey, essentially.
3: Jared, Jared, that's my one big thing. Oh, is it? You're stealing my one <laughs> big thing. Man, I, I, was I didn't want to want. use the mic
2: drop moment, but Bob just had to cut, you know, his, you know, Man. protege over here off right away. Well,
3: how often is one going to be my one. (laughs) I'll defer.
0: I'll back off.
3: All right, please continue
0: on the other bad (laughs) property tax bills. The other bad property tax bills uh, include HB 751, uh, which would uh, essentially deals with ad valorem taxation of construction equipment by Representative Clemens. Uh, This passed favorably 21 to 5 in House of on Monday. Uh, the bill would provide that construction equipment uh, owned by uh, heavy equipment rental dealers would qualify as inventory exempt from taxation. Uh, we are kind of worried about the uh, the impact this would have on the tax base of our and, rural counties.
3: And there's, there's two things in that bill. One is that they're defining as inventory only for non-school purposes, something that's never happened before, and it's all property owned as being treated as inventory, not just those items that are on their lot on January 1. So even if it's out under a productive com, uh, contract, rental contract, they're trying to define this inventory.
0: Thank you, Jared. Absolutely. Uh, Moving forward, we had a a similar tax exemption for assisted living facilities moving through both chambers uh, this week. Senate Bill 362 by Senator Rodriguez uh, passed unanimously in the Senate Community Affairs Committee. Uh, The bill is expected to move on now to Senate Finance and Tax. Its House counterpart, uh, HB 401, by uh, Representative Smith, also passed unanimously in House Ways and Means on Monday. Uh, Both bills essentially just represented a a small expansion of uh, eligibility um, to limited partnerships uh, for uh, nonprofit homes for the aged, uh, basically. Um, That is all I got for you guys this week. Uh, As always, uh, for any additional details or questions, please consult our weekly legible. Wow, Bob, he's done it twice. What do you think? It's getting better each time. I don't
2: know. It was taxing. <laughs> Good one. And and Jared, of course, has the opportunity to go to the REC every week. No. I know that 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 doesn't really sound very exciting
5: not, to Sarah, uh, but not I, my favorite thing to do. I've
3: I've heard something else about um, Jared. Something I believe when I was listening to last week's podcast that he was an honors student at fsu is that, is that correct jared uh the no runder- no i mean at, 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 UF, <laughs> at uf at uf, at right, UF. Right. i'm sorry i'm sorry the up, are true. Uh, i was an honor wow. student at the university wow. of florida the first time ever we have an honor student on
2: this team <laughs> my mom's got a bumper
0: sticker no but
2: I, i'm also an honor student that that also completed an honors program and then got a master's degree. Bob, I think you've got a master's degree too, don't you? Yes, I do. Which
3: one are you talking about? I, both. Oh, both. Yes, I do have two. Now, I was not in an honors program. Uh, as as uh, I believe it was discussed on last week's podcast, I went to four schools in undergrad. I was more of a dishonor program than it was an honor program. But uh, yes, I do have four. When I finally knuckled down, I spent four years getting my undergrad and two master's degrees from the what I refer to as the the uh excuse me it is the proper usf fsu is just usf backwards and uh so i want everybody to know that but yes because i have three degrees from usf i can never deny it i am but, full of bull but, but you're full
2: of bull we've heard that one a million times uh
5: well eddie has a law degree so i think yeah, that i was about tops to say, everyone Ed, in this room eddie,
2: <laughs> he's, he's the lawyer destroyer and, of course, Davin's got a master's degree, too. Do you, Sarah, do you know where his master's degree is from? Does anybody know where Davin's master's degree from? University of Wisconsin? Um, it is not the University of Wisconsin. Oh, this is good school. trivia. My, Milan, actually, do you, yeah, Milan, do you know where Davin went to grad school?
1: I don't know where he went to grad school, but I know undergrad was Florida a University.
2: That's right. We'll get back to you on that. Kansas, D- Davin, Bob, ding, ding, ding. Davin is a Jayhawk uh, as well as a rattler. Kansas, Rock University, of, University of University or is it Kansas Uni- University of Kansas? Kansas University?
3: KU, KU. Does the Jayhawk eat the
2: rattler, or does the rattler eat the Jayhawk? Tune in next time. All right. Well, we we've gotten through the rundown. I think we we move on to our next segment, and. I think we're gonna start with the one, the only, Eddie Labrador, for. One
4: big thing.
6: Okay, thanks, Jeff. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to the end of week four. And uh, the one big thing for me this week has been wage preemption. We started out in the Senate, uh, in uh, listening to, or actually, uh, taking up uh, 11, Senate Bill 1124 by Senator Gruders, which was temporarily postponed last week after the, the committee ran out of time. Uh, and uh, this week the committee approved the bill uh, and it now moves on to commerce and tourism. Uh, and just uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, the house regulatory reform, committee took up, or subcommittee took up uh, CS for HB 943 by Representative Harding. And these bills, what they do is they, uh, first of all, prohibit or preempt uh, a any kind of local wage mandate. And a local wage mandate is defined broadly in the bill uh, to mean to mean any requirement enacted by a political subdivision uh, which requires an employer to pay any or all of its employees a wage rate other than the wage rate required under state or federal law. So for purposes of, you know, here in the state of Florida the minimum wage rate Uh, as calculated pursuant to Section 24 of Article uh, 10, uh, which is the minimum wage uh, amendment, uh, is $10 an hour. Now, there was some confusion in the committee today because the sponsor, Representative Harding, described this as applying to prevailing wages and not living wages, but in fact, Uh, That's just a a misinterpretation of the bill because the preemption applies very broadly and it applies to any requirement or uh, setting uh, a wage rate. And the other thing that makes it clear that it applies to living wages is, one, under current law, in Section 218.077, local governments are able to uh, establish a minimum wage rate other than the state uh, minimum uh, wage uh, and and to require certain benefits uh, for entities that contract with the local government to provide uh, goods and services to the local government or when the local government actually provides a direct tax subsidy or abatement of taxes um, so that the employer uh, pays a higher wage rate or maybe provides um, benefits. Uh, And currently there are four counties that do this, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach uh, in a limited way uh, and Alachua County. Those are the only four counties that we've been able to determine have uh, living wage ordinances. This law has been in effect for 20 years. So um, this bill will, uh, by by preempting our, our living wages in these counties, they will be basically taking employees that work for contractor employees uh, on county contracts and reversing their current wages from anywhere between Uh, $13 and let's say 61 cents with healthcare benefits to up to $17 an hour without healthcare benefits and reversing that to the state minimum wage of $10 an hour. Now that $10 an hour minimum wage here in Florida is about 33% less than the federal poverty level wage rate for a family of four. So it will have a huge impact on uh, our South Florida counties and in Alachua County. Uh, The the South Florida counties in particular are the three highest uh, or most expensive counties to live in, in in the state of Florida. Uh, On average, uh, they, you know, to live in, in those three counties, you pay... Anywhere from 13 to 19 percent more to live in those counties in terms of your prices for housing and um, purchasing, you know, goods and services, uh, and being able to uh, provide your kids with milk and cookies. So we uh, we spoke against the bill uh, today, and we have been speaking against the bill. Uh, in uh, every committee in which the bills have appeared and we will continue to do so um, until uh, either the bills are defeated or we're defeated.
2: And I know Eddie's been working that that bill very hard. We've had county commissioners come up and testify on those set of bills, but we'll continue to to work at them and stop
6: them. in particular, I want to point out that uh, Commissioner Higgins from Miami-Dade County was here last week, and she testified um, both times in committee uh, against the bill. And she did a, a very good job talking about uh, the impact to uh, workers in Miami-Dade County uh, from this particular bill.
2: Thank you, Eddie. All right, Eddie. Bob. All right. We got. We're going to have to hand this off some way. So I, I think I have to, to queue it up. All right, tell me. One big thing.
3: As you may surmise from earlier, the My One Big Thing is House Joint Resolution 1 by Representative Tomko. The bill would create a new property tax exemption between, for the value of a homestead between 100 and 150,000 for certain specified employees, professions. They would be for teachers, for firefighters, for police officers, for correctional officers, and for child welfare workers. I spoke against the bill in committee. Hold up.
2: You spoke against who in committee? I spoke
3: against the bill. I do not, we talked about how valuable those professions are, how much we appreciate the hard work and service that they do. But the right way to recognize them is not by social engineering the property tax system of the state. I think that might be our... Oh, come on, Jared. Boom, mic drop moment. Actually, I believe Jeff has a superior moment later when we get to his one big thing. But yes, the exciting part of the Testimony was when I walked to the podium, at least 35 officers, fully uniformed, fully armed, standing behind me. It was
2: a moment. That was the one big thing. Thank you, Bob. It's you know, HJR1, it's 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 going to be uh, pri- it is a priority of the house this session. It's up again Monday, up again Monday. We're, we're going to be you know, watching that in and a companion as it moves through the process. Bob will be there. I'll be there. Great thing is,
3: at some point in time, the bullets start going back through the same holes.
2: And with that, Bob. You got You gotta, You're going to have to tee this up. We, we, is this Jeff, Jeff, and Bob in the afternoon. Come on, yes. Guys. Jeff, and it's five o'clock here. Jeff. And of course, my one big thing wouldn't be complete without more broadband, and it was a big thing this week. House Bill 1543, also by Representative Tomko, was up in the House. Uh, Tourism, Infrastructure, and Energy Subcommittee. And it was a busy and packed uh, committee room with uh, many other bills on the agenda. But the Florida Association of Counties and the Small County Coalition were there to speak on some, some concerns. Facts spoke opposed to a bill. And I know that sounds crazy because we've been so focused on broadband, but I'm going to walk through some of the reasons why we are opposed to the bill. Um, you know, Uh, Under this bill, there there are, are $100 million specifically allocated from the fund to the poll replacement program. The funds would subsidize the costs to replace eligible Ut- electric utility poles in unserved areas. However, the bill lacks metrics to measure deployment outcomes by not contemplating an accountability process. You know, it, even in the staff analysis, it rightfully points out that the funds will be distributed on a first come, first served basis and maybe dis- distributed without regard for a project's consistency with the state strategic plan. That's what we've been working towards. We've been por- forming those local technology planning teams with our county champions to help the state come up with this state strategic plan that's gonna be due uh, in June. That $366 million that comes from the Corona Coronavirus Capital uh, Projects Fund under the American Rescue Plan has to be submitted back to the feds by September. So we've got a few different timelines. Got a lot of money here, but we have to make sure that the the, the money is is spent the right way. This money has strict strings, as opposed to the money uh, on the other side of the bill. Um, and those two big things are that it need that it must assess critical need related to work, education, and health monitoring. And the projects have to be designed to address a, that a critical need that resulted from the impacts of COVID-19. So, these polls caught in the COVID. No, the polls don't have COVID, Bob, I'm sorry. Okay, um, not okay going there. just want to be sure. Um, so we, we really got to make sure that those funds are spent in a way that, you know, they have to assess a certain level of speed, they have to consider affordability, a low-cost option, they have to uh, have reporting on pricing data, low-income subsidies, and, and that explanation of critical need, which of course hits those components on access, affordability, reliability, consistency. Um, The other portion of the bill has $400 million. And that's where it's taking four hundred million dollars from the state and local fiscal recovery funds, uh, from the state allocation. Of course, counties got uh, some, you know, their direct allocation. However, take from the state portion, they're putting four hundred million dollars into the opportunity grant program. We talked about that one in the past, last session. Uh, that was part of the bill, uh, House Bill twelve thirty nine from twenty twenty one. Um, the problem with the Opportunity Grants program is that there, it has strict limitations. It, it, it has language that says the grant funds cannot be used to install broadband to a geographic area in which broadband internet service is already deployed by at least one provider. And, you know, in, in other words, those funds uh, aren't able to harness competition, they pick winners and losers. Doesn't it also have a provision that anyone can dispute, can protest? Right. There, there's challenge processes, there's uh, restrictions on combining, you know, leveraging funds with the, the federal funds. So, so we, even if you got, got granted the money, someone could come in and say, no, we don't like how you're going to spend it. Right. A, a provider or, or just anybody could just challenge the process, slowing it down and, and not, uh, you know, really getting to the point of expanding broadband. You know, So we support modifying the, the grant program. We, we, we support additional funds for the Office of Broadband. Uh, They've got this potential of $100 million to to process the applications for the polls. They have $400 million that that, that could be going into the grants program. And and the other $266 uh, million, let alone the the money coming down the pipe in the federal infrastructure package, other grants through NTIA, uh, through ReConnect, USDA, they've got a lot. Unfortunately, they, they need more help. They and, need more help. And, and, and that bill didn't do any of these things that we're asking for them to do?
3: We're working on it, Bob. Wow, sounds like narrowband to me.
2: Crickets, Bob. <laughs> I don't think anybody laughed on that one. <laughs> Milan. We needed that. We needed that. And, and, you know, in in closing on that, the bill just doesn't reflect the holistic, collaborative approach, you know, meeting with stakeholders, you know, to make sure that we we deploy broadband in unserved and underserved Florida. There is more to broadband than polls, Bob. I think you know that. Uh, Then you said that in committee, did you not? I, I did. I think that was the mic drop moment. <laughs> we, we, we've done the rundown, Bob. We've done the rundown. We've we've done our big Wait, things. Don't we have a moment? A I very a, important moment. Is it is it might be Florida's favorite moment, or is it America? Jared, do you know is it America's favorite moment? What whatever happens, it will rock me.
0: This, this week's data point
1: is on affordable housing. Affordable housing is a continual obstacle for for financial. Financial year 2021 data a full time hourly worker making minimum wage $8.65 at the time would need to work 93 93 hours a week to afford a modest one bedroom. This issue has become extremely evident in metropolitan areas. Florida's most populous county, Miami Dade County, is currently working on investing $260 million into housing options for its residents including fourteen thousand units of affordable housing and development. Those these solutions follow years of suffering experienced by rental and homeowners in Miami. According to Florida's International universities report Miami's housing affordability prices, six in 10 employed adult residents of the greater Miami spend more than 30% of their income on housing, which is the highest rate of any large metro area information. In this year's proposed budget, Governor Ron DeSantis allocated $355.5 million to fund the Sadowski Housing Fund. In this year's proposed budget, Governor Ron DeSantis allocated $355.5 million to fund the Sadowski Affordable Affordable Housing Trust Fund, which provides housing programs and economic relief. This funding includes $95 million for the State Apartment Incentive Loan Program, million for the State Housing Initiative Partnership Program. FED has been following several several bills seeking to provide relief for the affordable housing crisis. Bob, would you like to further explain what's going on in affordable housing?
2: Yeah, Bob, I think we have some budget updates, right?
3: Yeah, uh, both the House and Senate dropped their uh, initial spreadsheets on the budget uh, this week. Um, Senate's closer, but not quite to the level of the governor's office. The House has fallen short of that. Right now it appears like they're not funding the sale program but it is early in the budget process. These are the budget chair's recommendations. It's the first part. It will go to the full appropriations committee next, then to the floor, then to uh, conference committee. So we're start, it's really the kickoff of the process, but right now um, they're farther apart than certainly members of the Sadowski coalition would like them to be, particularly given the legislation last year and the promise of full funding moving forward. Thank you, Milan.
1: You're welcome. We have a few announcements. This week, Miami Dade had their day Days. If you weren't to attend, you missed out on their paellas, their pig rolls, the Mambo Kings, the cigars they passed out.
2: I think I think some of our analysts in the... Oh, they, yeah. They...
1: We
5: went to Mambo Days. And, and did
2: you have the paella, too? Mambo Nights. Nights. Ma- it, Mambo Kings, right, Eddie? <laughs> that, that's a, that's an event that's been going on for a long time. A I long did time. it 22 years ago. Did, did you get to try the yucca?
5: We tried the yucca, the black beans and rice, the pig. pig, some pig. of us tried the pig. It's called pork. Pork?
2: Roasted pork. A- 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 Eddie, can, can we add some culture to lechon. The, lechon, the proper, yeah. the chone. thank you.
3: Chone. yucca, frijoles. And yes, yeah, I lechon. did get one of the last lechon. plates of paella. I first had paella in the Capitol in 1995, the time Bill Clinton stirred the paella that.
2: Wow, Bob, you're old. Hey, analysts, were any of you even alive in 1995? No, I didn't think so. Hey, I'm a bummer,
3: not a zomer.
5: Wow.
2: So it was was a good time. We had the 305 Dalé squad up in the Capitol this week. Dalé? Is that what you just said? That's what they say in Miami, Shiloh. No,
4: you said it so wrong.
2: Dale. Is that better? That's
4: good.
2: Thank you for the approval. And, and you know, we're getting back down to the, you know, we're at the halfway point, Bob. We're just about there. When we get back here on Monday, I think that's where we're going to be, right? Day 30 is Wednesday next week. Halfway through. The Apex moment. And, and you know, we, we didn't have our, our esteemed director or ex- deputy executive director with us, Davin, in studio. I hope we did you proud, Davin, with this episode of fa- Fackish. Now wait, don't do Davin's quote. That's Davin. Wait, it is not the critic who no.
3: counts. No, Not the man. That, that belongs to Davin. I know it's not his quote, but it's his quote on this show. So I'm going to step in today. Go, go for it, Bob. I'm going to go to the great American philosopher, Yogi Berra, it ain't over till it's over till the hanky drops. We'll keep on going, working on that lunatic fringe, and we will rock you back (laughs) out.